In the beginning, Jesus created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, he was with God and was God. In the beginning, Jesus was the Word. Jesus says, I am, all throughout John's account. He says, I am the bread of life that fed God's people in the wilderness. He says, I am the shepherd that led you through your brokenness. He says, I am the light that first shone into darkness. He says, all of this, I am the resurrection, I am the vine, I am the way, the truth, the life. And he does this to show that he is God, the word who was before the beginning of time, which is a lot to believe. And it's why Jesus said, if you don't believe me, at least believe the signs. For these signs not only pointed back to prove who Jesus is, they also pointed forward to prepare us for what he ultimately did. Whatever the sign may be, the message it would tell is that this Jesus who is God the I Am was going to accomplish his plans through death and burial. That is what the signs pointed to. On the cross is where their meaning was unfurled. That the I am would be the lamb who dies to take away the sin of the world. But Jesus would perform a final sign that would prove he is the I am, the word, who in the beginning spoke and the universe was made. And that sign is that Jesus rose from the grave. That is why John wrote his book, to give us the signs that point to who Jesus was, what Jesus did, how Jesus died and rose to life. And now, John's gospel comes to each of us and asks the same thing, to please look at these pages, see the signs of Jesus, and believe. So good. Well, uh, again, my name is Shane Rogers, and welcome to Heart Church. Thank you guys for joining us. And uh, we are in a series in the book of John, and we took a couple of weeks off. Last week, we talked about Father's Day and what it looks like to be a spiritual father in people's lives. Um, and so this week, we're going to dive back into John. And um, where we were previously is in John chapter 4. And um, so we're going to kind of pick up in the latter part of John, and we're going to discuss a story that uh, is found in uh, two other places uh, in the Gospels. Many times, as you probably know, the Gospels, they'll, they'll tell a story and they'll just give a, a slightly different angle. It's like if I was telling a story and then you were there, so you told the story and you saw a little bit of a different angle than I did. And so um, we're going to pick up actually in Matthew, because Matthew shares the account as well as Luke and John. In John, it's seen in John chapter 4, verse 46, and it's the last part of John. But I actually want to read it in Matthew, and we're going to talk about and tackle a crazy topic today. I'm super excited. Anybody with me? And uh, the topic is the authority of Christ. That's what we're going to hit today. Uh, it's undeniable. In fact, all through the... the um, 
the uh, gospel of John chapter four at the end and through the whole chapter of five, it really unpacks the authority of Christ and how much people had an issue with the authority of Christ. And so um, we're gonna start reading in Matthew chapter eight and verse five through 10. And it says this, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a, cert, uh, a, cent, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said, surely, uh, he said to him, shall I come and heal him? And the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority. That's important. With soldiers under me, I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Another translation says he marveled and said to those following him, truly, I say to you, I have not found, found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Father God, I thank you for your word and the privilege that it is to open it, to share, and to the best of my ability, articulate the, the things that you have to say. And ultimately, God, I ask that you would speak. I thank you that your word by itself has the power to transform our hearts. And ultimately, that's what we desire. We believe that anything we do is a byproduct of the state of our heart. And God, we want a heart transplant. We, we wanna be different on the inside and may it, Lord, then impact how we live and how we see the world. And God, I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So I have a simple question and that is, how do you feel about authority? <laughs> Yep, we're going here. How do you feel about authority? It's a, uh, it's a touchy su subject, especially in these times that we're living. Uh, authority has always kind of been a buzzword, <laughs> one that we sort of stay away from as preachers typically, um, kind of like giving, you know, it's like one of those super spiritual ideas, but, um, and nevertheless, uh, massively important. Um, and so, uh, those of you guys who know me, you know me well enough to know that um, I'm a rule follower to the max. I mean, if there's a rule, I'm following it. You know what I'm saying? Just to the nth degree. Heather knows that's not true at all. In fact, um, I remember I was thinking about this when I was preparing this message. Uh, we went camping recently uh, to Arizona Oasis, which is a fantastic place, by the way. If you're ever looking for a little spot on the river, Arizona Oasis, really good. It's right on the, on the 10. Uh, on, it's actually the border of Arizona and, and California, right on the Colorado River. And um, so... Like I, we, we spent all this time, you know, organizing and booking the reservations and everything. So we finally get there and we get there at 1145. Check-in is at noon. So we drive up. Well, it's like COVID time. So no one's out there. The whole place is like basically boarded up. There's a, there's a gate. And, you know, the lady said on, on the phone, like, yeah, it's, it's open, you know, um, and we'll take reservations. There's a few things that are closed, you know, but when you get there, call us. So I get there. And the, the gate is, just happens to be open, which to me is an invitation to go through it. Hello. Okay. Um, so the gate's open and, uh, and the, there's, a, there's a sign with a phone number, you know, call this when you get here. So we get there, we call the number, no one answers and the gate's open. 
And I already knew my, my like, you know, spot that we have right on the river. So what do I do? I drive through the gate and I go down and find our spot. It's right on the river. It's empty. You know, it's like the hookup. We have like this, you know, RV that we rented. So I'm getting ready to back in to this thing. And all of a sudden, you know, somebody who works there with on those little dune buggies rides up, you know, and he's like, hey, what's going on? What are you doing? And I said, oh, I have a reservation. This is my spot. I, here's the paperwork. You know, and he's like, well, you know, did you check up top? Yeah, I did. No one was there. I called the number. They didn't answer. Okay. Um, well, they're probably not going to be real happy with this. Let me, let me get them on the phone. So the lady zooms down in her boot doom, doom buggy or whatever. And, uh, and she comes out guns blazing. Like, you're not supposed to be here. How did you get in? And blah, 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 you know. And I was like, well, you know, at this point, I probably wasn't as nice as I should have been. <laughs> Heather's shaking her head. I'm like, well, we have a reservation. Here's the paperwork. Here's our site. Um, I called the number. You didn't answer. The gate was open. <laughs> so I drove in the gate. And I'm about to park. And by now, it's like 11.50. And check-in's at noon. And she goes, well, check-in's not till noon. So you're going to have to drive up back up to the top of the hill outside the gate. And I'm like, seriously? I'm literally like the RV's almost parked. And you know those things, it took, takes forever to like back them in. I mean, I took 15 minutes just to like get it in. I'm like, you're going to have me leave and go back up to the top through the gate that was open. Were you going to call the number again? I mean, by then it's going to be noon. And she goes, yeah, check-in's not till noon. And I like literally, no joke, took my pastor hat off and turned and stormed off and, and like grumbling a little customer service, please. <laughs> so then Heather saves the day, jumps out of the car and just look at her. I mean, she's just, everybody knows that once you see Heather, your walls go down and you're not defensive anymore. You see me and automatically defensive, but Heather, you know, so I should have had her do it from the first place. So she gets out, rolls up. Hey, I'm so sorry for the misunderstanding, blah, blah, blah. And in two minutes, the lady's like, oh, it's no big deal. Here's the paperwork. You're fine. You can check in now. And I'm like, really? The gate was open. How do you feel about authority? How do you feel about God's authority? This is a huge topic, and it informs everything we do. And the majority of Christians, the, the majority of people that sort of, at least in general and in theory, believe in the Word of God and, you know, believe in, 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 in Jesus Christ as Lord, would answer this question definitively. Well, like, I think that I'm fully in line with God's authority. I, I submit to God's authority and he's the Lord of my life. He's not just the Savior, he's the Lord, right? We have this like saying and then we go on down the road thinking that our lives are fully submitted to God's authority because we kind of believe the Bible every once in a while when we read it and we've said Jesus is Lord in a prayer. And, 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 and the book of John is summed up that he says at the end of John chapter 20, he says, I've written these things that you might believe. And in believing, that word believe is that you might have faith and trust in, not that you believe he exists, but that you put your faith and your trust in him. And in doing so, he says, and in believing that you might find life in his name. And so part of this believing is putting your trust in 
the authority of God. And we see it in this story that we're going to unpack. But I want to, I want to, I want to just give a little caveat. And that is all of us have a blind spot in this regard. And it came out that day in the Arizona Oasis. And the reality is that, that the God of this world is anti-authority. Newsflash, right? Like, I didn't need to tell you that. You know that. And our world, as cl- the closer we get, if you believe in heaven, you believe in eternity, you believe that there, is, there will be an end to the world, we know it, and there will be a beginning to what is next, and we believe that's Jesus coming back. And when that day comes, the world will be in a, in a state that is very much anti-authority. It's the anti-Christ, anti-God's Authority. That's the whole deal. So when we look around, we should, we should bank on the fact that our world is going to cons- consistently and progressively get more anti-God's authority. That should not be a surprise to us. What's sometimes a surprise or maybe just a blind spot for us is that we don't understand that, that there is an anti-authority thing in us that's screaming out all the time. We hate authority. I mean, you don't have to teach a three-year-old to rebel against his parents or parents' authority, right? It's just an absolute given because our flesh, which is still present, even if you accepted Jesus, you still have a flesh until the day you die and go to heaven, your flesh is very real, which is you know, that, that part in you that never wants to serve God and always has bad tendencies. Well, that tendency is anti-authority through and through. It's the part in you that, that wants to say, don't tell me what to do. Uh-uh, not now. Okay, I got 10 minutes till check-in. This is my site. Why don't you go drive your little buggy up to the top? Because I paid my money, right? <laughs> I have such a bad attitude. Okay, the Lord's working on me. But, but in so many areas, we rage against this idea of authority. And, and we don't always know it. And we don't even always know when it comes because it's not always in ways that we could recognize instinctively. And the truth is, authority is a tough one. And we're not even tackling like true authority because I'm not even getting into like the authority of the world system and how God's called us to honor all authorities. But the truth is, authority in general is a very tough topic because there's a lot of people in authority that are corrupt, that are, that are, that are evil, that are not Christians, that are not making good decisions, and all of that. It's a huge topic. But I want to talk to you about God's authority that's not corrupt, that's perfect, it isn't always as easy to submit to and follow as I think when we have our rose-colored lost audio. glasses. One of the things that we teach our kids, um, and many of you parents um, do have, have done or are doing the same, uh, this is something that we learned from our spiritual fathers, um, was um, listening first time. And so we teach our kids to listen the first time. When do we listen? Um, why? Why do we teach that? Well, we teach that because I really, really, really desire my kids one day to be able to hear God's voice and listen the first time. Because I won't always be their primary authority. One day, Haley will be married, and she'll have to have a husband that she that she walks with, and they'll be submitted to God's authority, and he'll be leading and guiding things, same with my son. And one day, they'll be coming to me as an advisor. Sure. Right? I won't be telling them what to do. 
I'll be advising them, and I want them to have the spiritual disciplines to be able to respond, listen and respond to the Lord the first time. I don't want God to have to knock them over with a two-by-four to get their attention, right? The Bible talks about that. Don't be a mule, like a mule that needs like horse and bit for him to lead you because you're so stubborn because you haven't developed the disciplines to hear God's voice and to respond when he leads. Why? Because God's authority is massively important because he's not just trying to lead us into freedom, but he truly is our covering and he is constantly trying to shepherd us into a good place and, and our flesh does not like being told what to do. So we see this story in Matthew chapter 18, and again, it's seen in John, and it's seen in, in, in Luke, but I like this, this, this depiction. Um, and we see this centurion in a really desperate place, because um, his servant is suffering. He's on death's door, and he comes to Jesus, and he knows Jesus can heal, and he comes to Jesus and says, would you, would you heal my servant? Now, I have to understand that this is a centurion. He's a soldier. He has a lot of power. He's a Roman centurion. So he has the power to actually tell Jesus what to do. He could come and he could have his soldiers actually bring Jesus to his servant and command him, heal my servant. Now, I don't know if that would have gone very well, but he had the power to do so in the day. And instead, he comes as a man with authority. He comes and does something very interesting. He doesn't wield his authority at all. Now, you and I, let's put that in our time. When crisis hits, what do we do? I'll tell you what we don't do when crisis hits. What we don't do is relinquish power and control. When, a, when, when, when crisis hits, we want to take control. So if I'm the centurion, I'm like, listen, uh, uh, Luke says it was actually his son. Uh, so if, if this is either, it's, it's either his really, really beloved servant or it's his son. Either way, this guy is distraught. And he's like, Jesus, you have to heal my servant. And if I'm the centurion, I'm like, I'm not going to leave Jesus' side until Jesus follows me and fixes the problem. Why? Because I want control. I want to make sure that it gets done. And instead, the centurion says, no, no, no. You don't even have to come. I'm okay to just, you say it, and then I'm going to leave. And I have no idea what takes place or what happened. And it's not, it's like a strange faith. It's not like faith, I just believe that you're, Jesus, I believe you're so good and I believe you love me so much that you're going to take care of me. Like, that's not what he says. And that, that would have been a version of faith. But this version of faith is the faith that Jesus says, in all of Israel, there is not a single person with this kind of faith. And he says, I'm a man under authority, so I get it. If you say, it's done, it's done. I submit to your authority. This man's understanding of spiritual authority was so significant that Jesus said, I have not seen faith like it in all of Israel. Okay. You tracking with me? So, so what, does, what does it look like to, ha to put your faith in the authority of Christ? What does it really look like? Probably not like we think. 
most of us think that it's just sort of this ambiguous, like I love Jesus and I, I think his authority is, is good and I'm gonna, generally speaking, follow the 10 commandments and we're good, right? Um, I think that at some level, our, our society and, and Christian society have sort of bought into a lie as it relates to authority. And it's a lie that like really sounds good and sounds appealing because you attach love to it. But the, but the lie is that we can submit to the authority of God while enjoying relative autonomy with next to no accountability. Relative autonomy, like I can pretty much do what I want with not a whole lot of accountability because at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit leads me and that's very subjective. <laughs> and no one else, like, have you ever talked to somebody and you, like, you know that they're off. You know that they're somehow deceived, but they just, they drop, if you ever played spades, they drop the spade card, the trump card, like God said. And you're just like, well, we're kind of done talking because there's nowhere I can go with that. I'm not going to trump that. Like if you, when you say, well, God told me, it's like, okay, great. So then go do that. If God told you, I can't debate that. And so it's easy to live in a sense of like, I've really submitted to God's authority because I just kind of throw around these trump cards and I have a lot of autonomy in that because the Holy Spirit's leading me and I don't really need anything else. And when I was in, uh, I was in a pastor school, it was, um, when Pastor Jack Hayford, for those of you who know him, he's a, a, like a was like a big leader in our movement and he's written a lot of books and he did a pastor school. And there's one thing that he talked about that I've, I'll never forget when he articulated the scripture in Ephesians that says that, um, that we are to um, equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And that when we teach the word of God and that, that we're equipping people for ministry, that word equip literally means setting a bone that's been out of place. And if the reason why it's so important if you break a bone to set it and get it correctly is because if you don't set it, it restricts blood flow. And so when, so when we are out of alignment with the things of God, there's literally a, a separation somewhere inside of us that's restricting the blood and life flow of Jesus. And I believe this is kind of one of those areas that like when we don't come in alignment with the authority of God, then there's something that's restricting the goodness and life flow of God. And I'll tell you, Jesus was a man under authority. We see that because not only did he say, I only do what I see my father doing. I didn't have autonomy. I didn't do what I wanted to. In fact, I hear the father speak and I do. And then, and then the Bible says that he submitted to John the Baptist to baptism. And when he was baptized, three things happened. Heavens opened, God spoke, and the enemy was defeated. I'm telling you what, when we submit to God's authority in our life, the enemy has no Place. And I think that's kind of the bottom line, big picture, big idea that I'm trying to get at is that like when we truly submit to God's authority in our life, it eliminates the work of the enemy. And I'll tell you what, the enemy's sneaky. Yeah. He just is. He comes as an angel of light. There's no pitchfork and there's no horns. It's all light. And he even uses a little bit of scripture and buzzwords like love and peace and goodness but he comes as an angel of light. And the Bible says in 1 Peter, submit to God, God's authority, 
Resist the devil and he must flee. There is, a, there is a power that comes that we saw in Jesus when we are submitted to the authority of God. So God is designed to fail safe for our, for our understanding of what this looks like. And it's not, it's not what you think, but it's so powerful. And it's a threefold cord. The Bible talks about a threefold cord is not easily broken. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Trinity here. We believe they're three in one. In fact, John, uh, Jesus prays in the garden for us, the believers, and says that they might be one as we are one. We have this beautiful dance. Jesus was submitted to the Father. Now the Holy Spirit is here and he's submitted to Jesus. The Bible says that he conveys what he hears Jesus say now. And the beautiful thing is, God made Jesus because he humbled himself, the name that's above every name. So you see this like, they all have authority, but they're submitted one to another. It's this beautiful dance they do. And he's, they have, God has equipped us with this threefold cord of how to know, how do I walk under God's authority? If you just have one, it's easy to go rogue. So the first one is this, we submit to the peace of God. This is the Holy Spirit's work in your life. How do you know if you're under God's authority? How do you know if you're submitted? How do you know if he's leading you? And it's not your feelings. It's not your friends. It's not society. It's not the language of the day. I mean, how many people have we met that have gone astray because they just, they just got the truth skewed just a little bit and they land up in nowheresville because they weren't under God's authority. So we submit to the peace of God John 16, verse 13 says this, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority. Remember I told you he's under authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. This is the first line of a defense. How do you walk under the authority of God? And you abide in that peace meter. Holy Spirit, come and lead and guide me. Take a hold of my emotions, my thoughts, my desires. They can easily go astray. Anybody have feelings that go astray? Anybody have desires that go astray? Hello. And so that's where the Holy Spirit comes and he gives us abiding peace. Ever made a decision? And it was like something you really, really wanted, but you didn't have peace and you made it anyway? We just did that. We went and bought a couch. And sounds silly, but it was an expensive couch. And we left Macy's, God bless Macy's. We left Macy's and we're just like, I don't have a piece about it. But it's an amazing couch. And we need a couch. And we can afford this couch. And so we left Macy's and drove home. All night I struggled with it. I just don't have peace about it. I mean, it's not like, listen, there are some things that are, right and wrong. And there are other things that are like bubble gum. It's like, it's not wrong. It's not good or bad. It just is. Bubble gum's not good or bad, unless you're not supposed to eat at school. This decision was kind of like that. It was just like, I just feel like God's got something better for us. So I don't have peace, but I really wanted the couch. So we got it, went home. And the next day I woke up like, ah, I don't have peace again. Talked to Heather She's like, yeah, I kind of don't have peace either. Okay, let's cancel it. We canceled it. 
So our, our kids are like just worked up. Like, ah, oh, we need a new couch. Haley's just like super emotional. We canceled the couch, right? It's worked up. So lo and behold, it was like 2,800 bucks. Lo and behold, we do a quick search online. We got a better couch for $2,000. And instead of it being delivered in September, we're getting it on Monday. Oh, come on. Come on. Now, silly example, but it's just an example of like the Holy Spirit's trying to lead us. And sometimes he's trying to keep you from driving off a cliff. And sometimes he's just trying to get you into a blessing and you're just, you know, you know, uh, you got a thick head. And you're just like, man, I just, I kind of need to be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit because he wants to lead me with peace. But if I stay there, if I, if I make this the whole thing, then I have the ability to go way rogue and pretty much justify anything but breaking the Ten Commandments. And I can tell you, Facebook friends, that sounded weird. Facebook friends, this is where we get stuck. This is where we get stuck. Because it's, we all want autonomy. We all want a lack of accountability. And if my accountability is my internal peace meter and not directly violating the word of God, then I can pretty much justify anything. And you can't say anything to me. Like, what do you have to say to me? This is the Holy Spirit inside of me, right? And I can tell you that that's not submitting to the authority of God because he created a body. So the Holy Spirit functions as our peace meter. But the next one is we, we submit to the principles of God. This is God the Father. We submit to the principles of God. It says in this 2 Timothy uh, chapter th- uh, 3, verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Listen, there's a new standard of today. And you know what the new standard is? I don't know this at all. The new standard is, I don't really read this. That's the new standard. I mean, in our world today, and I'm talking like, I mean, San Diego's like relatively Christian world. There's a lot of people that would say like Christians. And again, good people, well-intentioned people. They don't read this. This right here, it's a, it's a thing of the past in our culture today. It's not a thing of the past in our lives. It's not a thing of the past in this church and in a lot of churches in San Diego and across the world. But in general, this thing is going away. It is slowly fading away in our culture. The generation that's coming up is primarily biblically illiterate. So it's very difficult to submit yourself to the inspired word of God if you don't know it, you don't read it. And then when somebody brings something up, it's just like, nah. If you don't read this, and I'm not, again, this isn't legalism and this isn't like you have to be in it every day, but like if this isn't a, you don't have a steady diet of the word, then I'm like, how important is it to you? I mean, how important is the word of God in your life if you never read it? Not very. (laughs) Fair enough. And we're subject to the narrative of the day, which is a buzzword right now, love. 
sounds awesome, sounds sexy, sounds right, sounds true. We just love everybody. And listen, love's, love is of God. The problem with love is that it is open to interpretation. I love Taco Bell and I love my wife. It's open to interpretation. What is love? Well, we know from the Bible that God is love. He didn't invent it. He is it. So he doesn't define it. He is the definition of it. But when you don't know this, this Bible, and you're not submitted to it, then things like love are open to your interpretation. Or worse yet, the culture's interpretation of what that looks like. And as long as you tag the word love to it, then it must be good, angel of light. And so we must submit our lives to the word of God. Okay, the last thing, and I'll get off my soapbox. Um, we submit to the people of God. Now, this is the hardest one. It's, it's very easy to accept we submit to the peace of God inside of me and we submit to the word of God generally. I don't really know it, so it's, but it sounds good. Um, but we submit to the people of God. This is where we submit to Jesus because Jesus left his church, which is his body. See, we submit to the Holy Spirit because he's inside of us and he leads us by his peace. He leads us into all truth. We submit to the principles of God. This is God's authority, God the Father, seen in this word, his principles, his value system. Like, listen, the value system of this world is contrary to this Bible. And it doesn't always seem so, but it is. We submit to the value system of this book. And lastly, Jesus is seen in his body. So we submit to the people of God. Okay, so what does that look like? That needs a lot of fleshing out because for me to submit to another flawed human being at Arizona Oasis telling me that I got to leave because I'm 10 minutes early. Oh no, you didn't. It's hard to submit to people. In fact, that word submit is like, really? Is there another word we could use? Let me read you a scripture. Verse 13. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. I love the wording here. This is the um, amplified. Have confidence in your leaders and recognize their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. So that's one version of the people of God is leaders in our life, spiritual leaders. And then Proverbs chapter 11, where there is no wise guidance, the people fall, but in the abundance of wise and godly counselors, there is victory. I want to say something that maybe is obvious, and maybe you've been living your life by this, your, your, you know, your whole Christian life, but I want to say something. There is not a human being on the planet that's truly submitted to God's authority that doesn't have at least a human being that they're submitted to. Not a single person. I don't care what organization they lead or what church they lead or how big their platform is. There is no such thing as a human being 
who, submit, who submits themselves only to God, only to the Word, and only to the Holy Spirit. It doesn't exist, including Jesus. And so I want to ask us, how do we feel about God's authority? And what does it look like to yield yourself to man? This is a tough one. Now, um, I've been around godly leaders who manipulate and control. Very difficult to submit to those people. And, and I, I don't even like the word submission because I think it's the wrong word. Because it doesn't really, that word doesn't translate in our language the way it was meant to. Because the Bible says we submit one to another. But I just want to tell you how I live my life. And if, if, if many of you got up on the stage, you could probably say the same about your life and it's why you're healthy people. We don't make decisions in a vacuum. I don't get to just say, well, God told me. And as long as it doesn't directly, morally violate the word of God, it must be the right answer because I thought of it. That's called no accountability, right? I live my life with checks and balances. I have a church council as it relates to the church and my life and my leadership. I've submitted myself to. Guys, speak into my life. I think it's such a healthy way to live. Will you speak into my life? I think we've gotten away from it because it's so, like in our culture, it just feels so out of control. Kind of like a centurion going to Jesus and saying, you don't even need to come. Why is it so hard to submit to authority? Because it's humility and, and surrender of control. You get to speak into my life and you are a flawed human being that could tell me about anything. You could tell me things that I don't like to hear. You could even tell me things that are maybe aren't even right. And I'm yielding that control to say, speak into my life. Now, what I'm not saying is, tell me what to do. I'm not saying I'm giving you control over my life. I've been under leaders, leaders like that. It's wrong. It's not what biblical authority is. If I ever tell you what to do, go somewhere else. That's not what we do here. But the idea of saying, you know what? I want people in my life that have access to my life is such a powerful posture to live. Now, listen, there's a codependency that some people get into. Some people would rather not develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit, would rather not read their Bible, and they'd rather just tell, hey, pastor, tell me what to do. That's not healthy either. Let's develop a healthy relationship with the Holy Spirit where he leads us. Let's get into the word of God and let the value system of heaven be our value system. And then at the end of the day, let's gather some people that we trust in our life. Let's look them in the eyes and say, listen, I trust you. Would you speak into my life? Because here's the reality. I have blind spots. I have blind spots. I have blind spots in my marriage. I have blind spots in my leadership. And I'll tell you, the people in my life have made me so much better. The people in my life have helped me avoid major pitfalls in my life. And I've seen people get derailed simply because they didn't have the humility and the, the, and, and the surrender to say, you know what? I'm not going to be an island. Submitting to God's authority is submitting to the people 
of God. We submit one to another and it is so beautiful and it is so freeing. And at the end of the day, the devil's defeated when we do it. The devil has no place in your life when you submit to godly authority. Father God, I thank you for the way that you're leading this house. Jesus, we want to experience life in your name. And we recognize that that requires us to take a low place and submit our lives to the lordship of Jesus. Father, I want to speak to areas in our life where maybe we've had a blind spot. Areas in our life, God, where we have allowed the enemy to have a foothold. Areas in our life where we have raged against authority, maybe because of our past, maybe because of our dysfunction, maybe because of the anxiety of just what that word authority brings. And Holy Spirit, we're giving you access to our lives and ask that you rewire those places in us so that we can be healthy people that know what it looks like to be men and women under authority. God, I thank you for that. I thank you for this house and the freedom and health that that brings to Heart Church. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you online. Thank you for joining us. And that's it.